I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Hey, how you doing, listeners? Adam Buxton here. Very nice to be back with you again on a track in rural Norfolk. As I walk, it is considerably cooler than it was in Los Angeles, where I was last week doing the Bug Bowie special. Thanks to all those who came along. It was very nice to meet a few podcats there. But yeah, good to be back. Lovely to see my family, especially the furriest member of my family. My wife. No, that goes without saying. I'm talking about Rosie, who has zipped off ahead of me into the gloaming. The moon is bright in the sky. Just a bit of a toenail moon tonight. Still about 20 minutes left before it's totally dark, I suppose. And yes, it is really very bitey. Anyway, listen, that's enough weather chat. Before I tell you about this week's episode, just a couple of brief bits of business. I am seeing Joe Cornish in a couple of weeks to record our traditional Christmas podcast. And as ever, we'd like you to send us a few anecdotes and a few interesting slash funny bits and pieces that we might read out on the day. So if you'd like to contribute, you can leave a comment beneath the latest post on my blog, adam-buxton.co.uk. Your post will not be published, even if it looks as if it has. Trust me, it hasn't. Uh, We'll just read them and save our favourites for the podcast. Deadline for contributions is the 7th of December. Uh, The other thing I wanted to tell you about is that the DVD of my live show recorded earlier this year Uh, is now available. Yay! It features live material and videos from around 2013 to 2016. Classic stuff. Middle premium puddings, YouTube comments, Beach Boys sliding around in the pub toilet, Brad Pitt singing Radiohead. It's all there and more. As well as outtakes from the live show and a previously unseen Countryman episode. It's called Adam Buxton's Old Bits. (laughs) It's a double entendre. And you can buy the DVD or download an HD digital copy from gofasterstripe.com. Oh, bruv. My hand is freezing, so I'm going to have to just put my glove on quickly before I tell you about this week's episode. Oh, that's better. Oh, now, (laughs) except now I can't activate the notes on my phone (laughs) because it's all touch operated isn't it oh okay take glove off turn on phone but then it's going to turn off again in a second isn't it so now i've got a ah the modern world eh brilliant stuff uh where are we display and brightness auto lock never there we go back to notes puts glove on This is compelling stuff, isn't it, listeners? You don't get this on the radio. They tend to cut all this stuff out for some reason. Not on the podcast. So this week's episode, number 58, is the first of two podcasts that I'm putting out back-to-back this week. That's insane, Buckles. You should concentrate on your personal life and attend to your family. No, they'll be okay. It's more important that the podcasts are happy. It's the first of two podcasts that I'm putting out back-to-back, which feature Tales of Rock. I'll tell you about this episode shortly, but uh, make sure you check out the next one, number 59, which features some wonderful anecdotes about the likes of Soft Cell, Iggy Pop, Neil Young, and David Bowie from one of the all-time great music video directors, Tim Pope. Tim's got some great stories, so do check that one out. But this episode features a rambly conversation with Josh Homme, frontman of rock music gang 
queens of the Stone Age. And yes, it's pronounced Hommy, not Hom, like Bronhom. Anyway, I met Josh at the end of September of this year, 2017, in the slightly noisy basement function room of a fancy hotel where Josh was performing promotional duties for the Queens of the Stone Age album Villains, which had just been released. Villains produced by Mark Ronson. And uh, speaking of Josh's famous friends, at the last minute we were joined for our brief waffle slot by actor, comedian and musician, let's not forget, Matt Berry. Matt's second appearance on the podcast. Now, I'd never met Josh before, but he and Matt have been friends for a while. As you'll hear, they first got together back in 2008 when Matt was in Los Angeles working on an episode of the Sarah Silverman program. And one of the American comedians working on the show, Steve Agee, introduced him to Josh. Now, clearly, Josh is a big fan of left-field comedy, and he's appeared in U.S. shows like Aquatine Hunger Force, Comedy Bang Bang and Portlandia, as well as popping up on Matt's show, Toast. So there was a bit of talk about their first encounter, as well as the similarities in their approaches to what they both do. We also talked a bit about a documentary that Josh had recently completed called American Valhalla. I'm paraphrasing now from the website blurb. Directed by Andreas Neumann and Josh Homme, American Valhalla tells the story of an unlikely musical collaboration between two mavericks of American rock, Josh and Iggy Pop. The film follows the recording of Iggy's album Post-Pop Depression in the California desert, as well as the explosive tour that builds to a crowning performance at London's iconic Royal Albert Hall, featuring stunning cinematography and intimate access. Ooh. American Valhalla reveals the growth of an intense bond might want to get that scene too, between two musicians who have taken to heart the mantra, you risk nothing, you gain nothing. So yeah, we talk a bit about that documentary as well as a few of our other favourite rock docs. And we hear about Josh getting into trouble with officials at airports and railway stations. Come on, mate, what kind of loser does that? If you haven't listened to this podcast before, I should explain that the answer to that ironic rhetorical question is me. So prepare yourself for rock chat containing rock non sequiturs, rock pontificating and some strong rock language with Matt Berry and Josh Homme. Here we go. Some years ago. Yeah, it's been a while now. Yeah. I think I know when it was, yeah. So I went to Can Los you just Angeles. make coffee really loud? No. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been on a job in Los Angeles, and I don't drive, do I? So you have to, you know, kind of rely on your mates to sort of take you around. And Steve Agee, he drives, and he's a good friend. Yeah. Actually, I think it was that. It might have been when I was doing the Sarah Silverman thing. So, because I like him, I, I just went wherever he went, you know. And um, he said, oh, we're going to go past my friend Because you went, Did you go for chili? Is that what you did? Did you go to Chili John's? Something like that. Yeah. There's a, just an amazing chili place by my studio that's been the exact same recipe yeah, we for, did. since 1948. Uh-huh. And, you know, if someone said, hey, will you come get chili with me? I would say, like, no way, man. There's no way, <laughs> you know. But this place is quite special, and it's so close to my studio, because I believe it was, unfortunately, I have a really good memory, and, and so I have to remember everything I did. Oh, right. Well, that's good, then. And, uh, and, and it was like, we're just getting chilly. What are you guys doing? <laughs> and we were in the throes of recording 
the most difficult record to make for us. Which one was that one? It, it was, it was, it was like, like clockwork. And we always have fun whatever we do. So we would have fun in the rowboat to hell, but eventually you get there and you go, oh, everyone off then, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so they came by and provided this wonderful comic relief and we made a plan to the next day was it the next day? All right. I, I think it was the next day because you had limited time. I thought it was all time. the same day. All right. Okay. It may have, was it? No. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been. <laughs> I can't remember. But all I remember is that he's got the most amazing stuff in his studio, like all this kind of vintage stuff. Is that, that maybe there's a YouTube video of you there guys is. wandering around. It's called The Secrets of the Sound. Yeah, I think it's ended up on YouTube. And it was Liam Lynch who just kind of pointed the camera at us and said, you know, just do something. I don't know what the fuck to say. So th th he had all this stuff. And I just kind of made out that, because it was old, that it would be shit. And yeah, said, well, right. why have you got this crap then? <laughs> and then it puts it all on him then to explain what this stuff is. Which, which was a great pairing for our relationship, actually. Because, yeah. you know, I think what's beautiful is that muddling of perception. Yeah. You know, the perception would be like, that I'm, hey, man, what's going on? Yeah, yeah watch out. And your girl and all the stuff, you know. Rock monster. But the truth is that really... No. <laughs> so, but by him coming in and saying, what you called one of the guys that was like, you know, Mike or Dean, you were like, so Dan, you know, just calling him the wrong name and yeah. generally being a complete cunt and not knowing what was going on. You know what I mean? As in, a, in, in the interviewing process. Yes. Did you know this? Did you know Josh's stuff? Were you a, yeah, a yeah, Queen's cool. yeah. guy? Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But that wouldn't have been funny. So every I song. To... He, know, he knows every lyric and song. I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that wouldn't have been funny, though. No, so I just had to, you know, do the opposite. I didn't know what to do, you know. And, but there was... Um, Troy had brought his dog in, and his dog started to rub itself in front of us. So there, we, after that, we We're just didn't have to do anything. To... Did we? Yeah, we just let the dog do it all. Well, what was it? But, you know, some moments... I hate to associate this with the dog rubbing its ass on the carpet, but, but some moments oh, are just perfect. I saw that, yeah. Like, I'm not saying, hey, so look, it's that. that? That's Troy's... Troy's, and it had a tuxedo, so he was like a tiny gentleman, you know? Yeah. And it, <laughs> tiny gentleman dragging his ass. It yeah, it was well, that. like betraying the costume, right? Because he's dragging his ass, but yeah. that's what you do. It's the size so, of two fists. Yeah. It was tiny. That's usually the an ass. indication. <laughs> that's usually an indication that they've got some anal gland issues. Or they it? want a party, I think. Oh, yeah, they I want think, a party. That's, that's kind of on the fence, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, and so... So we had just been having a serious conversation about the dog when, as if paid double scale, he started to, I know, I know. to was, rub ass amazing. on carpet. And I had to make, I had to come up with some kind of, I'm really sorry, you know. He doesn't normally, yeah, yeah. Normally, <laughs> normally he does this twice as hard. You know? it, it was all there for us. It was, so that was gold. Introduction. And what did you see Matt in before? You were aware of his well, oeuvre. Early on, early on, um, I'd seen Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which I felt was like, it felt like the punk rock records I bought when I was a kid that nobody knew about. Because in the States, it's me and I think like seven other people that know that show, you know? Yeah. And it's so deep. In fact, I, what I love most about that show is trying to explain it to somebody else. It's like trying to explain the story behind the movie Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> like, I would have loved to have been at that pitch meeting for Garth Marenghi or Roadhouse, you know? <laughs> It's a bouncer with a heart of gold in a very small town <laughs> yeah. with a club owner that really wants to turn the tide and sell people booze. But there's a bad, bad man yeah. armed with helicopters, an army of men, and what seems to be a monster truck and a serious vendetta, you know? I haven't but seen Roadhouse more. for a long time. <laughs> I think I need to see Roadhouse again. Say you're not feeling good about yourself or the people that you hang out with because you realize they're god-awful. You'll be my regular Saturday night thing. That's Roadhouse, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember, of course, <laughs> it's my way or the highway, obviously. Right. It's the first time I heard that in Roadhouse. And uh, what's the name of the actor who gets... <sighs> Sam Shepard. Oh, Sam Shepard's in there. That's right. Yeah. him. No, it's... Well, it's one of the Shepherds, right? Bloody hell, I didn't realize it's, it's, you know, he's got the big mustache. He was in... Uh, Sam, yeah, that's Sam. Shepard, yeah. yeah. And he always sounds like... Like that. Yeah, like they like, get him at the end of a Like he sounds like God's nephew, just doling yeah, yeah. out advice. Just like, you know what you really need to do? <laughs> yeah. Just, I, I don't think that's Sam Shepard. That's, who is it? That's some other gnarly old genius. Well, it's a different Shepard. Because Sam Shepard just died, right? The yeah, Jack Shepard. 
Yeah, Jeff De- Shepard. <laughs> Shep Shepard. Def Shepard. Def Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the first couple things you do, if you can anchor it to something really credible that took real bravado to do, I mean, that seems like a labor of love that requires part of the energy it you was, expend man, is just to real convince someone with, with a checkbook that it's necessary. Yes. And once you get them to say yes, you go... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, they just said, yeah, you know, yeah. and like, you know, everyone's got their chain there. They're attached to their roots, right? You know, your chain is attached to this really credible thing. So you could basically uh, rom-com your way with what's, yeah. what's her face to, to the rest of her. Amy Schumer. Sure. But, the, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, to get that kind of reaction, you know, from your fact that that's kind of more important, you know, than what anybody, you know, from any of the papers said. Mm, but as an, as an endeavor, it worked in that way. Because I remember at the time, and I've told you this, that Ford didn't want me to do it. Ford didn't know who I was. They were, who the fuck is Matt Brady? No. And they had all these other ideas of people, you know, that they wanted to do it. And then, you know, when you speak to some people now, they're going, we, we yeah, the, wanted, the, wanted you to do it. I, I, I back that early <laughs> on. No, think, yeah. Well, but the nature of uh, watching, because they say two wrongs will make a right, but 40 wrongs make an amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I thought, what if you... Because it so parallels musically what I felt I was into and had done. There's just this little quirk. And so I think that was sort of an, uh, an accelerant. I already had my own quirk mm. for saying, I have a quirk. That's what makes it different. Perhaps you could have a quirk and be surrounded by accomplished people, but it's your quirk that can twist this thing into a place it could never go. So, you know, my grandpa used to say, if you're going to be different, you're going to get hit by rocks. So you need to learn to like rocks. That shit always stuck with me where it was like, well, I guess you'd better practice your aim because I deflectish. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, I, I think there's that importance. So I see Garth Merengue where they're overdubbing little pieces of, of the vocal track. Just the one, the cougar, you know? On, and it's so consistently wrong. <laughs> and it's so consistently terrible. And really good actors acting terrible and then talking about how good it is with the most arrogant possible perspective. It's just the most. Well, I always tell people to listen to that show with headphones because there's a lot of jokes, you know, that you miss where the voice goes that way, yet the actual person goes that way <laughs> and stuff like that. Where, you know, that you'll so get deep. like that. You might get it, you know, on your stereo or whatever, but, you, you know, you really will get it in your headphones. Mm. And we did, you know, we did it with Toast with some things. Well, I, that, that would be my question to you would be, I mean this as a compliment. I wouldn't say that that was an, an, a success. It's more of a time-released anarchy. It wasn't a huge success, right? No, it didn't do anything. Goth Reggae right. me. Right, right. Yeah. It was sort it's of a, like... It's a, it's a cult show. Mike Judge should have made but it. But like, well I know loved. It's as if Mike, you know, it has this... Ameri- the American parallel would be, you know, idiocracy or something yeah, of yeah. that nature where it permeates so... Or office space where it permeates so hard mm. after the fact that it's sort of like the good cancer. Where you're like, I've got it. I've got it, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but in Making Toast or, or how you bring something to IT, or doesn't that help later on? Because you can watch that 30 times in each episode and get something. And I like to play like that. And I know not everyone's watching like that, but who cares? What does that have to yeah, do with Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you know? not with the IT, because that wasn't, I was sort of told what to do there, really. But what you bring to the... I suppose. I mean, it's just, it's, it's everything, whether it's an album or whether you're doing a TV show, for me, it's, it's got to be as rich as you can. You've got to put as many little things, you know, just to keep your interest up. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So just smatter the whole thing with tiny little things, you know, that you find interesting. I don't give a fuck about anyone else. And it's the same, you know, when sort of making an album, you know, there's no thought to anyone else. I don't care, really. It's well, your albums are really me. lush, too. I think your albums are a great surprise, too, because they turn up in a location that is completely off-kilter for where you're looking for Matt Berry, which I love. Yeah. Because that last record's fucking awesome. Do you like that one? Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. I shouldn't say awesome. I should say uh, <laughs> incredible. So, yeah, it was great, because, well, well his calm. voice and the thing, and you realize he's great. He's a great musician. I mean, not as good as I am, but... Who like, is? Yeah, who, honestly, I'm not even that Me. good. In the world. <laughs> He's number one. Of all the world. Yeah. Yeah. Historically. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not even good enough <laughs> to beat me <laughs> at what I do. <laughs> Hello, my friend. It's good to see you again. 
I got to say you're looking great. I love what you've done with your nipples and your knees and your shiny bald pate. Where were you first made aware of that super detailed thing and the fact that you can enjoy? And for me, it was watching The Simpsons the first time. That all the little jokes going on in the background, how every single frame had something going on. And uh, do you I, think it's about living that way too? Yeah, you, maybe. Because I bumped into Harry Shearer at a restaurant, and I said, uh, "I'm a really big fan." And he said, "Actually, you are. You're quite large." <laughs> and I thought, "Oh my God, he's living this thing. It's happening at all times." Yeah. yeah. And I always feel like I'm not really. Not to Yoda this, but I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just doing what yeah. I like, and I'm letting the river of passion like sort of pull me away, because this is what we get to do all this. So who yeah. fuck? Why not get swept away in it all? I agree with you, and I I've always liked that kind of stuff that is aware of everything else in the world, and it is sucking in loads of different influences and referencing loads of different things. I like that. I mean, you can go too far with it. Sometimes yeah, yeah. it takes you out of it a bit. You've got to have it? taste, yeah. Yeah, ultimately. Exactly. You know? That's the thing for some people, I think, is that it's... For some people, it's not authentic. They like those people who shut themselves off from every influence, you know what I mean? And there must be a lot of musicians that you've worked with. Well, what's Iggy like? What's his policy on, on that kind of thing? Is he aware of everything else that's going on? I think, I think that... Um, when I make a record, I don't listen to anything, right? But not on purpose. Iggy is immovable, so he listens to everything. He is on a desperate attempt to listen to as much stuff as possible because um, he's interested, and that's where his sharpness lies. You know, he's a well-read person that's, that's still reading, which I think is really the definition of a well-read person, not what you read, but what you're reading now. Mm-hmm. And, and he's so he's kind of like... He's really sniffing around constantly. I mean, looking for the kitchen window. And I love that. I have that interest as well, but his is so much further, like much else of his personality. It's so much closer to the tip of the spear for being avant-garde and just how voracious he is. And how long he's been doing it. Yeah, and and that's never abated. It's only been exacerbated. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, I also... I mean, to be fair to myself, I get excited about the things I love because cool is not something you're better than. It's something you really are into, you know? And I, but I also don't, I kiss the ass of no thing that walks or crawls because honesty is a requirement for being, having a real dialogue about what you do like. I, I think part of my own checkered reputation is from honesty, honest, Oh, honestly. really? Have you been a bit too uh, forthright sometimes, do you think? People have got bent out of shape. I've realized that after the fact, right? you know, or my wife, Brody Dahl, who is a tremendous, strong woman and artist. She can spit 30 feet. She punches <laughs> like a guy. She's amazing. And uh, like, well, she said, wow, you're an incredible bastard. And I've st- stood and went, I, I'm sorry. I, when, when, when was that? She's like, just kind of consistently all the time, you know? And I just, because I, I do look at all of this as something above people. And you only, like, I also don't like raw onions. If you saute them, I'm in. I've tried. What am I supposed to do? Tell you I think you did great cradling them? I, but, but I also don't want to be mean because I, have, I don't want to be mean at all. But so sometimes I have trouble finding my place because I want to recognize the work that went into something. Yeah. Because that means a lot. Yeah. And I think especially in what you all do, because it's also impacted by so many others, you're in a volatile position. So I always feel like, you know it isn't your fault if it's bad, if you put in the work. So why do I got to say, like, that was incredible? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's weird because we're... it's not your fault anyhow. We're both in professions where sometimes you're not, you're not thanked for putting in the extra work, and sometimes the feeling is like you put too much work in. Yeah. You for, what they, for what, you know, for someone to use it as a doormat. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And you, you overworked it. You know, you yeah. should, uh, what Brian Eno calls uh, screwdrivering. Right. And he says it's been too screwdrivered. Right. right. And uh, his thing is like, do less. Do yeah. 50% less. It's like packing for good, when you go on holiday. Yeah. Pack and then remove half of what you packed and then you'll be fine. That's yeah. just experience and wisdom too, right? Yeah. And I'll just say that it is interesting, that thing of how you don't upset people with art, especially other artists. You know what I mean? Like, 
agents have a good sort of technique if um, the actor phones up and says to their agent, did you see me last night in that thing? How, what did you think it was like? And then if they haven't seen it, they would say, that bit where you said nothing. <laughs> and to the ego of any actor will just go, ah, oh, did you like that? My space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just get away with murder with that one. But I also don't understand acting quite a well, well, he's good. I was going to say he's good. And he remembered all his lines. Right, because Josh but was in an episode of I only did that for you because I just Toast. did a Portlandia. I just did a Portlandia and like they had all these lines and I was like, I can't do this, like remember. So we just have to jam, you know, yeah. that's... And they were very good about it, but well, I was like, oh, damn, I better... There was a little bit of, but you should have tried, right? Shouldn't you have tried? And I thought, well, well, no. Yeah. No, but it was great. And there was this worry, you know, this sort of production. They're going, do you think he'll turn up? I was going, he will turn up. Of course he'll turn up. And Boy, was, what a reputation. Was sort of, well, no, it's, it's because, you know, of what you do. It wasn't you sort of personally. And they were just shitting themselves. You know, the, all of them were. Yeah. Do you think he'll turn up, Matt? And I'm going, he... he you know, he is going to turn up. Like, be don't be worrying about this. Snorting and then, then, and then he's going to come yeah, out that's, and that's bash kind of what up. they were thinking. And then not only you did he turn up... get thrown out of a few places and that's just what hat follows you, honestly. Yeah. You know? Not only did he turn up, but he, just, he fucking nailed it. Well, that, that was a lot of fun because uh, I felt... Honestly, I felt safe, you know? But I also felt safe where I felt like if it was really bad, you'd say, you'll have to... Can we do it like, but where you're doing really good though? Because <laughs> I, I don't have feelings like that when we're creating something. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm very much about the end game. And I want to be part of something beautiful if I can. And if that means going, the more you shut up, the better it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'm like, oh, cool. Well, thank, honestly, thank you. Right. So you're not going to come out of one of those things sort of uh, in a ball of angst and tension I, I know one thing for sure i know almost nothing <laughs> you know so like if someone's got a piece of advice as long as they're not a total dick then i'm i'm in but there's a thing you know where you do get a guest from a different field and it can go one way or the other and it, it was great because it went it went the right way it was just fantastic it was what he means is they cannot all be me well, they can't. <laughs> no. <laughs> they can't. <laughs> have, you be, have you been doing more toast recently? Uh, I'm doing another show at the moment, but I will do some after the other show. And your Vic, is that a Vic and Bob thing? You're no, doing? it's a thing for Channel 4. Right. Another thing. God, you're working hard, man. It just doesn't you're end. It doesn't stop, Adam. These it's are a... the Tony Slattery years. <laughs> God. <laughs> Tony Slattery was a comedian. I won't say anything about that. When we, we can't really up, talk about it. was on that. TV and he was on just everything it seemed like he was on absolutely everything you know some people they get to a point in their career and it's like they just say yes to everything as if yeah. they've been given That's... six months to live or something yeah. <laughs> and they're on every single show and they're on every single and then he and threw his every... furniture out of his window yeah you would too if you oh well you are doing that <laughs> well i like that you were in a play and it was eight days a week that's the most ringo thing you've done since well we've been i together. invited you to to take over from me <laughs> I think you should not have Not with done. a 14-minute monologue. I'm, it's like, oh, nuts. Is that six days two and, and two days with matinees? Yeah. Oh, mate. You've got to be sort of keen on the sound of your own voice to, yeah. be able to do that. I was fed up with the sound of my own voice right. after a month. Yeah. <laughs> but why is it your ringtone? <laughs> <laughs> You've got a call. You've got a call. Hello. Lovely to see so many friends. On which one can lean one's elbow. It is perhaps important to... So, Josh, you've got this American Valhalla documentary coming out, and that is... Oh, who cares? Uh, well, I do, because that sounds just right up my alley. That's like... Your alley is quite wide. I love... <laughs> sure. But you love you some Iggy, is that... I love Iggy. Uh, I love documentaries, music documentaries. Do you well, like a music documentary? I do, and, I, so, and I've never directed anything, and so I was adamant about a couple things. In the event, I mean, I just, this guy, Andreas Newman, who's just incredible and who will 
you know, this is the most filmed city in the world by CCTV. If you put a drone in the air in London, someone will shoot it and then choke you to death, you know. And he managed to film drone shots of the outside of Royal Albert Hall. He's German. Mm-hmm. So he's always like, yeah, well, I just did it. And that's now it's over. And that's it. You know? <laughs> Didn't get any permission from the council or anything like that? I told him early on, you have to capture what's there. If you have to set up one light, it's over. Because this is about stealing photographs out of the timeline. Right. You have to disappear to appear like you know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. And, and, and also, candlelight is perfect. If you can't capture it, you're not capturing it. Mm. We're pinning butterflies here. We're not trying to set up something. We're trying to, to be there when the moment occurs. Now, that's what's important in a documentary. Now, I know it's always credited with the writer because it's got a perspective, right? And, and th- I understand the necessity of that. But I wanted to, in case it got taken away for whatever reason, that you had no choice but to use this footage that was looked different, that was different. And also, it became really clear that what we had, and, you know, I didn't want two guys in a chair talking, like uh, behind the music or something. I wanted it to be about why make make something? What does it matter? In this day and age when everyone's, you know, trying to work on their brand and sell you fucking water, what does it mean when you want to brand someone with a hot iron and, and make it hurt? Like, what do you... And Iggy's 70 now. When you're 70, do you have a chance at making your best thing? And if so, are people willing to listen to this perspective, no matter what it is? Mm-hmm. And now, I, I know just because you're old, you don't just go away. But if you were to you know, skip through the countryside and ask where everyone's parents are, a lot of people are like, in that building over there with all the other parents. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. and, and Iggy, meanwhile, is a force of nature. And... As I said, I was very honest with Iggy, but I also love Iggy, truly love him and respect him. We made the record in a very charming and sexy way. I convinced him to tour. And I said, I promise you will not say, this is too many shows. And no one will be allowed to see it, basically. I'll make sure that it's in venues where we don't belong. You know, I said, what's a top 10 list of things you want to do that you've never done? And number two was Royal Albert Hall, which it's hard for me to say with my accent royal albert hall what a show that was though it was the single best show i've ever been a part of i mean i felt as much spectator as i made tons of mistakes who cares it was it was the crowd iggy the band the night the the singularity of the moment want to see this tomorrow too bad this is the moment what will you do when you have your moment the rest of your life was led up to this thing and i just i felt like Give it to me, you know. And I also felt like that is the embodiment of where Iggy has won. He's lost many times, but he's always stood up and been like, you know, come on, is that all you got? And how's he with having cameras around and... Terrible. Yeah. But Andreas being German (laughs) and being... Having that ability to push a little bit, be be a fly on the wall that also you've swung at and missed a few times. And me saying to Iggy, I don't know much about filming, but I know you got to shoot too much to have it. you got to cross the line to know where it is. You know? And I said, we've... And our relationship helped. Because I get it, and I'm nobody's bother, but also, um, it won't come again. And you and I both know it's true. Mm. So just let it go a little bit so you get a lot of it afterwards, you know? Can't wait to see it. And... Um what do you, I mean, do you like watching music documentaries? Do you ever find yourself? I, I love watching? it. I found this difficult to really finish. It was, yeah. took me a while to, because I was like, there I am again, and I can't do this, you uh-huh. know? But um, what are some of the ones that you've enjoyed over the Live years? Live at Pompeii is incredible. You know, you know this one. I've just been to the exhibition. Oh, what? The Pink Floyd exhibition. Oh, okay, yeah. What, where? Um, oh, I don't want to go. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> The Saatchi, no, was it in the Saatchi? I, do you know, I can't remember. It's got everything. It had all of their yeah. stuff. The one thing that was co- sort the of noticeable plan. compared to the Bowie and the Rolling Stones mm. one was the lack of costumes. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to have? Because like, there's black t-shirts. Smart there's shirts and all. jeans. Yeah, they don't have anything at all. <laughs> that, so there's a they, were, they were women's t-shirts, to be fair. That's they fair. They did. Blousey. Uh-huh. But I thought it was great, that. 
You should go. I, I would love to go. I would love to go that. I, I, I find Live at Pompeii to be, have this wonderful like subtext about ancient heroes and modern heroes. Is that it's, the one that's, that's us? Has know? that got some stuff of them in the canteen? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's oh, from yeah. Dark Side. Yeah, that's from yeah. Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. That's yeah, but, that's well, they've done, so they've done a couple things of, of that, you know, and, uh, and I also... What's his name? Comes across really badly in that, doesn't he? Um, the Waters. drummer. Nick Mason. I yeah, don't Nick want Mason. a pie or whatever he says. I don't want the crusts on my pie. <laughs> Something like that. You think, like, oh, really? <laughs> well, yeah. fucking cut them off yourself, my man. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> oh, well, here's a knife. <laughs> you may not have even meant to Write do Write down like whatever that. you don't want and put in the box, would you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, that's a paper shredder. <laughs> I love the Dark Side of the Moon classic albums as well. That's, that's a good brilliant. One. I, I quite like The Doors because they could not exist again because that seems like a mistaken... Yeah. Flamenco guitar player, jazz drummer, yeah. organist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is it, a silent movie? You know? And then a guy who really is a poet, whose lyrics are really beyond, but he's pretty, so let's denounce him. Yes. You yes. know what I mean? He can't sing real good, though. You know? It's like. Um, the organ like was the lead instrument there. Not many people want that. <laughs> well, they don't, do they? And it's, it hasn't really been done again, not in that way. Because in Spiral Cup, you know, but like not where that's the... That's a good point. Not where the organ is the lead instrument. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I mean, it. it's the deep You deep met him, didn't you, the only, Manzarek? Yeah. I yes. saw you met, yeah. Yeah, me and Joe, we did a thing. We went round to I'm his house. I'm very jealous of that. Went through his records and he very gamely um, did a little stupid skit where Joe went over to his keyboard and was sort of noodling around, just playing nonsense riffs. And then he came over and kind of restaged the scene from the Doors movie where he's like, I was thinking something kind of like this. <laughs> you know, Joe was like, oh, I was thinking it should be like this, Mr. Manzarek. And he says, well, I was thinking more kind of... He was quite used to being spoken to, though, wasn't he, Ray Manzarek? Because all of those things, he's quite kind of soundbitey. And then Morrison would come in at this point. I know, but see, it kind of bugs because it's like, I'll turn this man into an idol, you know? Or it's like, because I like the humanity of it all. Like, I like the mistakes. That's like perfection is something you strive for, not something to actually expect because that's crazy, right? That's, and perfection, as we can tell by modern music, the ability to fix everything. When you make everything perfect, there's no friction. The universe is created by friction and sex is about friction and... So keep the friction going. It's an overwhelming temptation, isn't it? Because everything becomes mythologized and then everything in the past sort of is retrofitted to fit the myth. He even called in... um, When Morrison's dick shot light out of the end of it. That's kind of how he talked, didn't he? Then the Lizard King would come in and... Yeah, but see, that's what always annoyed me. Oliver Stone portrayed him as this drunken sot. Whereas he was, he was no he was, such thing. He was not a sot. He was a lively, intelligent man. He would read poetry. He and was, a god, by the way. He was a, a Greek god. He was the lizard king. <laughs> he was a Roman god. He was a Greek god. He was a Jewish god. He was a... Hey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is it's sort of beguiling. I'll tell you another one I like is uh, the Minutemen, the Wee Jam Econo. Do you, do you oh, want yeah. That's good. Because, see, I'm having known... Mike for years. Oh, you know Mike Watson. I mean, for years. Right. When I, first time I played out of town when I was 16, you know, at the, outside the desert, was a place called the Green Door. Um, and <laughs> in, in Montclair, which is a, a town that um, you get gas, take a shit, and keep driving. <laughs> I played with, uh, you know, fire hose. Yeah. And so I met Mike when I was 16. He's such an idiosyncratic human being. We jam Econo is so him. Yeah. Like, he's got terminology, like, Prack, we got to go to Prack, we're in Pedro. You know, he lays next to the bed in the hotel. He's a bit like a Catholic priest that never touched anybody, in a, yeah. except in a, like, on the shoulder <laughs> to give advice. <laughs> yeah. You he know, really is. which is very rare. You're right, he, he's, he's a sort of ascetic. Is that the right word? Not aesthetic, but ascetic. Yeah. And, and his whole econo philosophy is really brilliant. He, he sort of puts it down to being a working class boy. You it's know. for his old man, who yeah. he loved. It's uh, what would my old man want? And I understand that very much. My old man and my grandpa being my idols, you know, it's like it wasn't rock people. That's that's my idols. So I always saw that in Mike. I don't think there's a need to, what is it? It's not flagellate yourself. That's just flagellate. Yeah, flagellate. Flagellate. Boy, it's so close. Just a letter, right? I yeah. mean, 
And I said this to Iggy too, because it was important for me to, in any collaboration, you have to give something. Um, to just take is not a collaboration. And, and in a way I thought, while there's still time, I have the chance to maybe show Iggy, like you don't have to do what they say. You don't have to jump in the crowd if you don't want to. If you want to, do it. But you know, I've lived up to that expectation till I was like destroyed. You know, of, of, being, of being a wild man, right. of being like whatever you say, frankly. And just, now you have a family, so there's all... Which I mean, is the that, best thing to have ever, you know? It's yeah. like, normally it would have been like, don't bring your kids m- near me. If I touch them, they could get high, you know? It's like, <laughs> but now I'm like, who knew how much of a three-year-old brain I really have in the mud, you know? I mean, I basically, like, when they get older than three, they outgrow me mentally, right. you know? How old is your oldest? 11, so she hasn't understood me for years. <laughs> <laughs> so you're entering the point at which they're going to become aware of you and some of the things you've done, and you're going to have to square boundary setting with your own experiences. And I'm not worried about that. No, you're not. No, because uh, I'm not perfect, and that's not my expectation. And, and also, like people often bring up the song Feel Good Hit of the Summer, you know, or just list drugs. But again, you have to understand, I'm about gently prodding and poking our own audience in the hopes to keep their mind open as a mantra to do it for myself. And that's just a way to see what do, you, what do people say when you go like this? I don't say do that or don't do that. That's what you do. And what I'm interested in is watching you do it. Mm. I also do that because I want to fight against people using the word tradition as a way to hold you down. And like, this is all set up, so it's like, don't walk on the grass. Where it's like, why not? It's fucking gorgeous. You don't walk on the grass. I walk on the grass. That's what I do. And I've been told, well, that's an utterly American thing to say. I was like, well, what are you going to do, babe? I'm You're from the desert. You're going to ruin the grass. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like, the way the good Lord intended. It comes, that comes a lot with, I suppose, again, with what we do in as far as Poncing around. Well, being freelance. <laughs> freelance is not the right expression. But that's, I can't think of anything else. No, but I think that's, that's real. Are, right? Freelance. Yeah. Um, and you, know, hired you guns. become less good at being told what to do, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the only times where you really come against it are in airports. Yeah. <laughs> and Which in, I've been arrested at. And tax things. Yeah. Have you been arrested in an airport? Yeah. What were you doing? Did you complain at security? Well, sure, of course. I told them that I thought there were certain like, things they could improve. You know, yeah. and uh, but that was on the way out. But also, my friend Jesse Hughes from my birthday the night before had had a party at my house. I was traveling early the next morning. What's funny is he was on tour, so he was going to be there, and uh, he gave me a collapsible wand as a gift, which is a a weapon, you know, a baton. Right. And put it in my overnight bag, Akash. and right by the door, which I had packed. And so I just went to the airport. Oh, man. Because I packed my bag. Yeah, yeah. And, and I said, oh, that's... That's a present. I said, that was a gift. That it's seems weird, right? Does that seem like a weird thing? Actually, look at my license. See how I smell like booze? <laughs> and clearly, I haven't slept. And also, which both those ain't illegal. And there's my license, which says, oh, my God, I've turned a year older. So you can see where the misunderstanding is. In fact, it's yours. From one guy to another. And then I ended up going to jail... And so I explained, For the collapsible cosh, they just said no, mate. I might have said, and I mean, there might be more to it, but uh. listen, I don't want to focus on that. That's what started, that's what grabbed the door handle, perhaps, okay. say, right? So then I said, well, I'd like you to hear the following things since we're going to jail. And so I explained all this stuff in my own language, yeah, which yeah, apparently yeah. was a no good. Mm. Took a oh, few kicks can't. in the ribs. You can't. Did you, yeah. literally? Yeah. In what country was this? This was in Burbank. But it's true. It's the, it's the only time when that, you know, when there's no nonsense. Yeah, that's, it's not left to you. And it doesn't matter how big or, you know, smart you think you are. You know, well, it when... still happened to us yesterday. Really? We, we were in the train station in Paris. Yeah. And the English Border Patrol decided that they were going to roust us oh, for right. whatever reason. And we missed our train. And normally I'm about, nowadays I'm about like smiling and saying hi and you look lovely and give a wink and because yeah. it's so much, you know, spoonful of sugar, right? But once it's all gone south, then I'm like, well, now I'm free. 
Because it's south, you know. <laughs> I'm in the south. Yeah, I'm in the southern <laughs> islands. And by the way, I was a boat commander here, you know. So I know how to get away and I know how to stay and I know how to go. And if it's too fucking late, well, check it out, man. You know, so I just started to explain to the guy what I thought his motivation was. Oh, how did that go? I think it went really well. Can I just do one thing? So Absolutely. from my garden um, in Bedford, I've bought you, I know that you don't like raw onion, <laughs> but I bought you two onions from my garden. And I haven't cooked them, obviously, because they're just raw straight from my garden. But I'd like you to try one of them. I'll try one of them. I mean, Adam can try one as well. I've never done... I don't want to do this. Yeah, well, it's... This is like an episode of Jackass. I, More like Jerkass, because, like, what he's asking me to do. Uh, you know what? This is only because... Do it for me. How, because of how I feel about you. Bless you. But I want you to... I, I need it's a bucket. It's the only things I've ever grown. I, I can't grow anything else, so... Grow up next, would you? Here goes. <laughs> All right. Oh my god, Lou. That is disgusting. That's not too bad. I'm not gonna. You like it? You know what I think? Actually, sorry. It's tart. You know Is it bad for you to actually do this? Do you know? I don't even. This has got to be the. It's got to be the best thing for you, given the laws of medical counter proportionality, i.e. Oh my god, I'm gonna be sick. Anything that's nice. He's got some it's very bad for you. Is that the deal? There's mm. no amount of there's no amount of extra that's going to cut through this. It's more like going to be in a chariot of shit. Well, thanks for all doing it because it does mean a lot. Actually, no, not too bad. No kissing for oh, us. Oh no, I can't finish it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> This is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area. And spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code Buxton to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. Continue. Hey, welcome back, listeners. Hope you enjoyed that. Ridiculous conversation between myself, Matt Berry, and Josh Homme. Very nice to meet Josh. Nice of Matt to drop by as well. I'm looking forward to seeing American Valhalla. Haven't seen it yet, but it sounds right up my strasse. Oh, it is absolutely freezing now. The sun's gone. The moon, such as it is, is uh, bright in the sky. Doggy, I'm just about to record the intro and outro for the next podcast, episode 59 with Tim Pope. He directed all the Cure's most well-known videos and more or less defined how they were perceived by their fans and uh, everyone else throughout their most successful years, visually at least. He's really uh, a lovely guy and Tim's just got lots of great stories about working with all sorts of extraordinary people in the music world, including, of course, Iggy Pop and Neil Young and David Bowie. So, yeah, do check that out. As far as this week's episode goes, thank you very much, not only to Josh and Matt, uh, but to Seamus Murphy-Mitchell for his invaluable production support. 
and to Jack Bushell, who uh, provided some edit assistance this week. Thanks very much, Jack. And thanks as well, of course, to you, the hardcore, who listen right through to the end. And I thank you for doing so. And of course, because you are hardcore podcasts, you're probably well aware of the Adam Buxton app, which is waiting to be downloaded for free in order to enrich your life immeasurably. Oh, you'll have fun listening to many of the jingles from the podcast, which you can stream via the app individually. You'll be able to check out some of my great, great YouTube videos, including a few that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Not even via YouTube. You can only access them from the app. And, of course, you can support the podcast and the app and the maintenance thereof by contributing just 99 pence uh, in the bonus videos section. And in return, you will be able to watch uh, a great video that Syriac, the animator, has created for the like and subscribe jingle, which you will hear shortly, of course. And in addition to that, I mean, there's a lot. I I apologise for all the sort of uh, sales talk. It's not something I enjoy particularly on other podcasts. Although I appreciate that, you know, it's something that has to be done just to keep the wheels turning. All I'm saying is you should buy a T-shirt while you can. Because, uh, you know, carpe diem. That's what the film was about, mainly. It was a reminder to buy merch. Listen, folks, don't forget to tune in to episode 59. Till then, take care of yourselves and those around you. I'm going to give you a good loud I love you bye now because I'm back in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. And the only people who are going to hear me are Rosie and the rabbits. I love you. Give me like a smile and a thumbs up. Nice like a pat when we bumps up.